0: Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I want to talk to you today about living full. Would you look at somebody and say, live full? Live full. I believe that all of us choose how we live, and all of us today as human beings choose what we live full of. Some of you, if you got cut, sports trivia would pour out of you because you are full of ESPN. Some of you are full of Fox News. Some of you are full of MSNBC. Some of you are full of the stock market. Some of you, it's the real estate industry. I'm I'm not throwing rocks at any of that. I just want to let you know today that in history, in the world that we, we find ourselves in today, Christianity has turned the world upside down because of our forefathers that were full of something called the holy spirit and my my conviction and my hope today would be i'm going to exhaust all of my energy i'm going to go home tired and i'm going to preach until my underwear is wet can i get an amen too much information um but my hope would be today is that you would leave this place with a conviction that we serve a god that actually wants to fill us up Unlike Buddha, Muhammad, or any other religious figure, we serve the only God that promises to fill us with his spirit. No one else claims that they live inside of the people that worship him. We serve the only God that comes into us and and makes his home inside of our hearts. And today, I want to talk to you about living, living full. And I do believe that hunger, believe it or not, is a really, really important thing to all of us. I would argue this morning that that your hunger is your spiritual thermometer. That what is the first thing that you lose when you get sick? It's your appetite. If you have a terminal disease, oftentimes people die at 70, 60 pounds. Why? Because they have lost their appetite. And I believe that your spiritual appetite is an indicator if you are healthy or if you are sick spiritually. And today, this might sound foreign. For many of you, this is gonna be brand new today. Some of you have been in church your whole life and never once heard a message like the one I'm gonna share with you. And I wanna let you know today that I am a pastor and I am a Christian that wants to have a God appetite. I believe the lukewarm church is a church that is more passionate about what's natural, material, and temporary than what is godly and eternal. And we're gonna be a church that yeah we like getting bonuses and we're excited about a new house and a new vacation and a and a marriage and spouse and kids but we burn for the things of eternity it grieves me that pastors are more excited sometimes about building projects than they are the presence of god we're going to be a church that values the things of god if you believe it would you say amen because hunger is a revealer of health you ever heard someone say they have a healthy appetite My five-year-old Chloe has a healthy appetite. She eats more than I do. That was great English, too. She eats more than I do. And so uh, if you have your Bible this morning, I want to talk to you about hunger. And uh, I do believe that, I love what A.W. Tozer says, to have found God and to still pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. We find God, right? Which Actually, we didn't find him. He found us. He wasn't lost. But to find him but still desire to pursue him is the soul's paradox of love. So today, I want to read us us 15 to 17 verses out of Acts chapter 2. This is the chapter that most people try to avoid if they are scared of the Holy Spirit. Uh, People try to avoid this. They try to chalk it up as that happened once, then for people that had something that God offered then that he stopped offering. And again, if uh, this is brand new, all I'd ask you to do today is uh, stick around for the whole message if you can. I believe that a great restaurant uh, shouldn't be rated or judged until all the courses come out. Is that all right? So I'm going to ask you to stick around for this, and uh, I promise I won't get weird. Um, If you feel weird today, you're weird, not me. And we are a church that invites the Holy Spirit, but you don't have to be strange, spooky, you don't have to literally, some people are scared of the Holy Spirit because they're like, well, if I got filled with the Holy Spirit, what if I grabbed the microphone at Gelson's, started speaking in some tongue and freak everybody out? I want you to know the Holy Spirit comes where he's welcomed. Yeah. And uh, I do, again, I'm going to share, which again, I think was one of the more important message I share every year. Uh, if you're brand new today, I'd encourage you to come back next week. Uh, this is, again, a deep dive type of message which I have, I'm not ashamed of, because I, I want to lay a foundation of where our church stands as it pertains to who the Holy Spirit is. So, Acts chapter 2, let's read about when the Holy Spirit's birthday uh, occurred. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one hondo court. <laughs> Kidding, it was a civic. Uh, <laughs> they were in one accord, in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a mighty rushing wind, and it filled, say with me, Filled. Notice the word here, it's all over the New Testament. Filled the whole house where they were sitting, and there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat on each of them, and they were all filled. How many were filled? They were all filled. How many people were in the room? All, well, good answer. They were all there. Not some, all. There were 120 in the upper room. Can I ask you one more question? We're, the, were all 120 pastors. Can I push back on some of this weird, goofy theology? Were there business people in that room? You better believe there was. Joseph of Arimathea was there. Nicodemus, come on, who remembers Nick at night? Nicodemus was up in that room. Mary Magdalene, who was demon-possessed. There was women, there was men, there was business people, and there was apostles. Listen to me. How many got filled? So that kind of settles that, doesn't it? That the Holy Spirit's just for some pastors. I better stop, I'll get ahead of myself. They all got filled, and they were all, began to speak with other tongues. The word tongues here is the word we get glossary from. It means languages. And the Spirit gave them utterance. They were dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men. Say with me, devout men. I want to point this out to you, that there there was not atheists gathered in Jerusalem. It was devout, God-fearing men. That's important because what I'm going to read here. These devout men from every nation, there were 17 different nations represented. It says they they heard the sound occurring, and the multitude of these devout men came together, and they were confused because everyone heard these Galileans, uneducated Galileans, in their own language. They also marveled and looked amazed, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these men uh, who speak our language Galileans? How is it that we all hear them in our own language in which we were born? Parthians, Medes, uh, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, that word, Pamphylia, <laughs> Egypt to the other parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arab, watch what it says, we hear them speaking in our own tongues, what are they speaking, the wonderful works of God so they weren't worshiping the devil we get that so they were all watch what it says here these were the devout men they were so they were all amazed and others were perplexed saying to one another what in the world could this mean others of the devout men mocked saying to one another they are full of Miller light new wine they're just drunk that's why they're speaking in my language which I would have passed Spanish if alcohol helped with language are you following me I'll explain this in a second but Peter standing up with the 11 raised his voice and said men of Judea and those who are dwelling in Jerusalem let this be known to you and heed my words these guys aren't drunk as you suppose it's only nine in the morning settle down But this is what spoken by Joel the prophet, and it shall come to pass in the last day, says God, I will pour out my spirit on some flesh. A few Christians, a couple pastors, hyper-spooky charismaniacs. Say with me, say all. All. Notice it does not say some. It says, want to hammer that home? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Because usually wherever people get filled with the Holy Spirit, there is a prophetic edge that comes. And not only that, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. If you're dreaming dreams, the Bible says you're old. <laughs> you're still getting visions, you're young. That's the way you determine that. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit. And those days, and they shall prophesy, fast forward, and whoever whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Watch verse 33 here. It says this, uh, and God brought him to the right hand of God, having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit. He poured out this which you now see and hear. And what Peter says here is that when the Holy Spirit shows up, he's seen and he's heard. So again, I'm going to talk about something today that most people don't, and I want to, if I can, bring some clarity of the subject that many people don't ever talk about, especially on Sunday mornings. But again, if Jesus isn't scared of it, neither are we. I want to talk to you about living full. You ready to go? Father, I pray you'd bless this time we have together today. I pray in the next 37 minutes that your truth, your grace would be in this tent. I pray that whether we're online or we're in the tent today, that you would make, make this truth simple, plain, and obvious. I pray that you'd remove the spirit of doubt, confusion. I pray that people would no longer mock or be confused, but I pray they'd be amazed at the goodness, the kindness, and the grace of our God. Jesus, we love you. Fill us up, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Who likes eating? Come on, you're an American. Make some noise. Come on. We like to eat. As Christians, we are social eaters. Uh, I like to eat. I have to find any opportunity I can. Because of that, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. I I try my best to prepare myself for the big day. So in the morning, my ritual normally is I will skip breakfast to save room. Come on, where's my Christians at? So I'm not eating breakfast. I'm not messing around. No pancakes or waffles. We got. Come on, turkey coming. And I skip breakfast, I usually try to run, I'll run a couple miles usually in the morning, not because I'm fit, but because I want to make more room. (laughs) I come back, I usually stretch out a little bit, try to do my little hot dog stretches, make room for my stomach, and then I'll throw on the the loosest pair of elastic-waisted jeans or sweats that I own, and I prepare to feast. Can I get an amen? amen? I love to eat. I usually eat too much, usually watch the Macy's Day parade, uh, and then somehow I end up watching that dumb dog show because I'm a talk-the- talk dog show. those goofy looking dogs, those judges that you're like, "I don't know if I trust you." Um, we'll keep going. Um, but I, I'll watch these shows and then usually I have this awesome opportunity to take a nap. It's called the Cowboys game. Um, they find a way to lose, you know they just they find a way um, and And then I I just had this, but I'm so full. And as a kid, I grew up, again, blended family. My parents were divorced. And I had grandparents on both sides that wanted us to come over during Thanksgiving. So as a kid, our ritual was eating our Thanksgiving at our house, eating another Thanksgiving at one grandma's house, and then that night going to another grandma's house and eating some more Thanksgiving. You know, it's crazy. As a kid, things that I could not wait to eat at the first Thanksgiving, I wanted to throw up when I saw at the last one. My last Thanksgiving of the day was my best cooking grandma. And it's amazing. She had gourmet food that I had no room for because I was already, come on, say with me, too full. I believe that is exactly what is happening to many people today is we are so full of the wrong things that when god shows up we have nothing left to offer him and i don't know about you man but i don't want to be full of what's temporary i don't want to be full of things that don't satisfy long term so many people live for friday nights saturday nights They wake up in beds with strangers. They don't remember what they did the following evening. And all they do is live weekend to weekend. And they live in this perpetual state of chasing mirages because they're living for what doesn't satisfy. We serve a God that wants us to be full of what's good. of what we don't regret. Living for things that actually when we get into eternity, we're proud to actually leverage our existence for them. I've learned this about full people that if you're full enough, it's easy to say no to things. Who would agree with that statement? I don't care how good that Marie pie, Marie Calendar pie is. I got three pies from Marie Calendar's. Don't judge me. little secret here, don't don't prepay. just go walk in. There was no line. That was, for, that was free for somebody right there who knows. Got three pies this year. I was so full. I had nothing left to actually eat because i was so full when you are full of god it is easy to say no to the wrong things some of you you can't say yes to anything that's good because you are so full of what's corrupt and i'll tell you right now that your eyes and your ears are the gateways to your soul And some of you are slaves to anxiety, fear, depression, uh, pornography, darkness, perversion, because all you put into your eyes and your ears is that dark filth. Can I let you know, just because it's on Netflix does not mean it's good to watch. Well, they took the time to make it. I should watch it. Be more selective. It says that guard your heart above all else, for out of your heart streams the issues of it's crazy to me that we spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. We have twelve inch thick glass, we have arm guards, we have we have vaults to guard rocks and paintings. Yeah. But we let anything and everything come into our heart. Yeah. Why do we guard stones but we don't guard our hearts? I believe that what you're full of actually helps you say no to either what's good or what's bad. Yeah full people not only say no to the wrong opportunities full people have energy i've noticed this that it's easy to get shaky weak and tired you ever tried fasting Yeah. yeah it's great but it's awful too it's like all you think about is food i'm looking outside when i'm fasting i see a steak in the clouds i see a tree shaped like mashed potatoes are you following me i am so weak i'm so shaky all i want to do is eat I'm telling you that when you eat it gives you energy full people have energy if you eat often enough you will begin to grow and the scale will tell you about it come on say bulk season it's the holiday season right now right you're adding mass you're going after gains full people continue to grow and i would tell you that at this church my prayer for you is is that next year this time your spiritual waist size would be bigger than it is today you came into our church with a 29-inch spiritual waist. Come on, it's bulk season. That doesn't go over well in Orange County if you weren't watching online. I'm telling you that God wants full people to grow. Full people exude the smell of what's inside of them. I can tell what's inside of most of you. I spend one afternoon with you, and it just comes out of your pores. You ever met someone that ate too much garlic? Yeah. Yeah they reek uh, like dude go brush your teeth again my wife won't let me get in the house if I had garlic you gotta brush your teeth it's coming out of your pores it's coming out of your mouth you ever ate asparagus we'll leave that alone what's your what you're full of will exude out of you and I'll tell you the last thing that I know about full people full people have the ability to rest well And many of you have a hard time sleeping, relaxing, turning your brain off because you are so full of what's temporary, of what's fleeting. You're chasing money. You're chasing status. You're chasing power. When you are full of God, it says that I give my beloved rest. You get enough food in your stomach and you put that cowboy game on, you will sleep like a baby. Are you with me? That we will rest well. I started praying this week and I said, God, what was the early church full of? And as I read through the book of Acts again, even this week, I saw people like Stephen and the other seven men in Acts 6 that were full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. I see people like Barney. Come on, Barnabas. Acts chapter 11, it says he was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit, full of faith. It says that Peter in Acts 4 was filled with the Holy Spirit. It says that John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mama's womb. Luke chapter one, it says his father was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to prophesy. Luke one, verse 67, it says the early church in Acts chapter four, it says that they were, they're praying, it says that the place was shaken. And after it was shaken, it says everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit and with boldness. Do you know that it says Paul Paul was filled with the Holy Spirit. He said the disciples were filled with the Holy Spirit. And it says that Jesus himself had the spirit without limit. John 16, Jesus himself says, it's better that I go because if I don't leave, you're going to have to hop on an airplane in 2020 and fly to Cairo and stand in the stadium, with social distancing, my gosh, and you're going to stand six years away from Jesus and wait in line to shake his hand like the Pope. But if I die and I ascend to the Father... I will send the helper, the advocate, the comforter, and he will come and he will live in the hearts of all those who call on my name. He says, it's to your advantage that I leave the earth. And I wanna let you know today that the early church was full of the Holy Spirit. Ephesians 5.18 says not to be drunk with wine, but to be filled and refilled with the Holy Spirit. Can I let you know that Christianity started with power? The Holy Spirit is the power plant to Christianity. And if I could be candid on the record today, many churches lack power because they lack honor for the Holy Spirit. We have big churches and expensive buildings with zero presence of God. We have built these massive churches on programs and wisdom, and we have neglected power and presence. I want you to know that I don't wanna go to a church that's big, I wanna go to a church that has power. I wanna go to a church that hell knows about. I wanna go to a church that intimidates the devil, where demons flee and tremble, and where sick people get healed, where addicted people get liberated, and where people that are in darkness come to the light. I don't care about a big church that has zero power. And that's why I'm telling you today that I boldly stand before you and I say, if Jesus was not ashamed of the Holy Spirit, neither am I. And just because he's the third person of the Trinity does not mean he is the third most important part of God. Are you ready? So I want to let you know today that the Christianity started with power. It's about an unplanned teenage pregnancy from a girl named Mary. Something about that Mary, right? She was filled with the God-man. She was filled with the Holy Spirit. There was a virgin birth. There was a three-and-a-half-year period of god's power and wisdom through the life of 30 year old to 33 and a half year old jesus he was crucified and on the third day after being dead he came out of the grave he he revealed himself for 40 days to over 500 people and then ascended like david copperfield into the sky angels said the same way you saw him leave he's coming back again one day And then this is what Jesus said right before he floated into the sky. He told 500 people to wait in Jerusalem until they were endued with power from on high. Jesus came into the world quietly in the middle of the night in a manger, and the Holy Spirit came violently into the world through a prayer meeting with 120. Are you hearing me today? And here's here's my thought is if the... 12 disciples, which were not the perfect 12, they were the dirty dozen. If they walked with Jesus for three and a half years and still denied him after seeing 30 miracles, after seeing Jesus telling the storms to shut up, telling waves to go back to their spot, to actually raising dead bodies and opening up blind eyes, if Peter could still deny Jesus after physically walking with them for three and a half years, and somehow they go from cowards hiding in a room to going into all the world and turning it upside down. What was the moment of change? It was Acts chapter 2. These 120 cowards turn into people that not only believed, were baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, and then turned the flipping world upside down. Mark Francie, paraphrase. Are you ready? This is what I believe Christianity is about. It's about believing in God. It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit, baptized in water, and then changing the earth for God. Last time I read something about salt and light, not about huddling and cuddling in Christian ghettos. I want you to know that you are the salt of the earth. We're not supposed to hide in Christian ghettos and stay away from our neighbors and be scared of the witches and the warlocks and the big bad Hollywood and entertainment industry. And we're scared of everyone and everything. I wish Hollywood would make an accurate movie about Jesus. I wish horror movies accurately depicted the the power of Jesus Christ. The Exorcist would be about two minutes long little demon-possessed girl, pastor walks in, in Jesus' name, get the heck out. Demons scream, run scared, hell has a nervous breakdown, girl's in her right mind, the end. But the problem is, is horror movies don't tell the truth about Jesus. I don't read anywhere in the Bible about Jesus or the apostles being scared of demons. But today, it's like, oh my gosh, we gotta be scared of those... I'm telling you today that we serve a God that wants us to live with power. So why don't we have power? Well, it's because devout people today even are just like they were back then. What were these devout people like? They were three things. They were amazed, which all of you under the sound of my voice online and in the tents, you're in one of these three categories today. When I say the Holy Spirit and I say speaking in tongues, you fall into one of three categories. You're amazed by it? And you're like, that's amazing. If that's real, that's amazing. That's where I'm at today. If it is real, if it's real, it's amazing. The second category today, you're not amazed, you are perplexed. I would say there is a large demographic in Orange County that you've gone to church your entire life. You love Jesus, but you are very confused on the topic of the Holy Spirit. You would actually be like Acts chapter 19 in Ephesus, where it actually says, when when Paul comes into the church, he says, um did you receive the holy spirit when you believed so they said to him watch what the believer said Uh, we didn't know there was a holy spirit who went to that church growing up i didn't know there was a i didn't know that so he goes what baptism were you baptized they said john's he said john indeed baptized the baptism of repentance saying to the people they should believe on him who would come after him that is christ jesus when they heard this they were baptized into the name of the lord jesus watch what happens and when paul laid his hands on them the holy spirit came on them and they spoke with tongues and prophesied now there are about 12 men in all okay so some of you grew up in a church like well all you do is believe and get water baptized and then wait for heaven But I want you to know that according to the bible i want to give you again some of you are amazed by this some of you are perplexed and confused we're going to bring clarity today and still there's a third category of devout men these aren't godless men they're devout and these are the mockers and we've all met people like this i've seen smug scholars and pastors boldly get up and talk, talk evil about the holy spirit i'm like man i'm not going to want to hang out with you on judgment day because i'm telling you right now that god honors those that honor the holy spirit and if you want to dishonor god dishonor the holy spirit notice that he doesn't warn about dishonoring jesus or the father he says do not blaspheme who the holy spirit and it's ironic to me that some of the the greatest caution in the body of christ today is when you start talking about the holy spirit and you mention anything about tongues could i ask you though a question that if there was if let's just hypothetically for a minute if there is such thing as a prayer language if the Holy Spirit can baptize you submerge you in his presence and give you a prayer language that changes and gives you power that you never had before can I ask you a question if you were the devil would you want the church to have access to it so what would you do you put as much yellow caution tape around it put as many weird people on Christian television as you could to put so much skepticism in god's gift that the world would write it off as nonsense but i look around america and i go i don't see a vibrant church like the book of acts i see social clubs in scheduled church meetings i don't see the power of god turning cities upside down so how do we believe get baptized get filled with the spirit and turn our cities and neighborhood upside down good question it all comes down to these three things it's biblical number one believing i don't want you to believe like your cemetery professor or seminary professor that had zero power in his life yeah he spoke greek he spoke hebrew he was smart but he had none of the fruit of the holy spirit he was rich in good deeds but did he ever pray for anyone to get healed Was there any of the fruit of Jesus' ministry that followed His? We have Christians that are rich in good deeds, but not rich in the power. We feed the sick, man, we we clothe the naked, that's great. We should be about social gospel issues. But I want to remind you that a gospel that does not save souls and usher into God's kingdom is not really the full gospel. The gospel of Jesus, people believed, they were healed, and they were saved. It's getting quiet up in this Presbyterian church. I'm telling you that it's not good to mock. And many people that, that, this is crazy to me. People even, these are devout men, not, not, not atheists, devout men. They begin mocking and they said, oh, 120 redneck Galileans speaking fluently, Portuguese, speaking fluently in Swahili, speaking fluently in Cantonese and Mandarin. Oh, they must be drunk. Just booze these guys been boozing all night and they're speaking fluently in my language you know what's so funny to me about Christians that deny the power of the Holy Spirit first of all you're going to do a lot of cutting and pasting when you read the Bible because this stinking stuff comes up everywhere you look yeah how about biblical believing like uh, Acts chapter 8 well the day of Pentecost was the only time people got filled wrong Acts chapter 8 Samaria Samaritans who were hated by the Jews It says that they believed, they sent Peter and John, they already believed, so that they could get filled with the Holy Spirit, and they did. How about Acts chapter 9? Remember remember that guy, Saul of Tarsus, on the road to Damascus? Remember he saw a bright light from heaven? Remember he said to Jesus, Lord? So he believed. When Ananias showed up to his house, he was blind, and Ananias says, Brother Saul, so he's a Christian, and he says, the Lord sent me to you, that you might receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. It was a secondary event. Well, that was just two times. How about Acts chapter 10? Can we keep going? How about Cornelius? How about Cornelius is like, send for Peter. Peter shows up. He's like, I'm supposed to summon you. Peter starts talking about Jesus to a non-Jewish man. And it says that Cornelius, in the middle of his message, starts speaking with his family in tongues. And the first time in the New Testament, someone was saved and Spirit baptized in the same moment. Well, that just happened three times. How about Acts chapter 19? How about in Ephesus when they said, ah, Paul goes, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they're like, we didn't know there was a Holy Spirit. We didn't know that. He's like, well, what did you get baptized? They're like, baptism in the water, forgiveness of sins. He's like, all right, it's time to get baptized in the Spirit. And i want to let you know orange county that listen to me there's churches that have made weird claims doctrinally but if jesus was not ashamed and i want to make one point to you that none of the early church leaders argued about this truth there's denominations that argue about it today all day long but none of our ancient fathers argued about this it was a known fact you believe you're baptized filled with the holy spirit change the flipping world That is a sequential order. Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. I don't know. I just don't feel comfortable with that. Well, last time I checked, we are not serving God out of comfort. And here's the deal. I don't believe just the parts of the Bible that I like to believe. I believe the parts of the Bible that God has written down for me to believe. Biblical, number one, belief. How about number two, biblical understanding, Well, I heard that the gift of tongues is only for certain people. I heard that tongues has to be interpreted. I heard that tongues uh, is a prayer language. I heard that tongues is when you make intercession, intercession for other people. I want you to have a biblical understanding. Can we go on this today? I want you to write down these four things about biblical understanding as it pertains to speaking in tongues. Are you ready to go? So number one, there's two public, two private. In the, in the New Testament, there's four categories of speaking in tongues. And here's the biggest weakness of most Christians in America is they build their entire doctrine around one out of the four appearances. That would be, that would be like you going to your house if you had four kids and saying, one out of my four kids, you have to know everything about me just by one out of my four kids each one of your four kids is going to reveal something different about you and your spouse are you hearing me today but many churches and denominations will say it's just one out of the four but there's four different categories write this down two are for public use two are for private use are you ready to go first public use is the gift of tongues which is a sign to unbelievers first corinthians chapter 14 verse 2 are you still with me today I'm going to give you the nitty-gritty here. It says this, that tongues are for a sign, not to the believers, but to unbelievers. So the first thing is, this called the gift of tongues. This what, you got to know about this. This is when you have no idea, but you're speaking in your prayer language, and as you do, God is giving you a supernatural gift to speak a known dialect on the earth that you've never studied for. That is what happened in Acts chapter 2 when 120 men and women were speaking fluently in 17 different languages. Uh, People say, well, how does that work, Mark? Well, uh, I've been there before. I actually, uh, I went and spoke at a church in Mexico, just out of Mexico City, has 15,000 people in this church. They oversee 700 churches today. The church started from a Canadian missionary that went to this place in the 1950s. He showed up, did not speak a word of Spanish. His interpreter did not show up. He, bought a, he, he set up a tent, did posters all over the village. 500 people showed up to listen to his church service. He, get, he gets there and he goes, God, my interpreter did not show up. What do I do? And he said that he was praying. He said the Holy Spirit said, speak in your prayer language. Yeah. So he gets up in front of 500 people and begins to speak in his prayer language. And he speaks fluent Spanish for 45 minutes. Everyone in the tent gave their lives to Jesus. And today, I spoke of that church. That sounds fake. I met people that their grandparents got saved in that meeting. That seems kind of weird. Can we just get God out of the box today? Well, let's make it more personal, okay? How about when I was a youth pastor in Idaho? Uh, of course, it was a Wednesday night that one of the little popular girls invited one of her friends from high school. First time guest. That's always the night that your pastor gets crazy. So I, and I'll explain why I was doing this in a second, but we're kind of at the end of the service doing the altar call, and I had the microphone down here, but I was praying in my prayer language to build up my faith. That's why I, was, I wasn't asking anyone to interpret it. I was just building up my faith. And it was just loud enough that the crowd could hear me speaking in my prayer language. And this girl, who was actually a Hispanic girl, she, who was brand new, never been in church her whole life, she leans over at this little popular girl in our church and goes, what's he doing? And the popular girl in our church is like, oh, my gosh, I'm never inviting anyone to this church again. She's like, he's speaking like a heavenly language. And she's like, no, he's not. He's speaking in Spanish right now. He keeps on saying the same thing over and over again. He keeps on saying, let us love one another. Let us love one another. Let us love one another. It's a sign to those that don't believe. I had a pastor friend preaching in Colorado. True story. One of his staff was in the back of the room praying for him during the service. She just interceding for him. So she's praying quietly in her prayer language. And this is a true story. The guy sitting in front of her leaned over to her at the end of the service and goes, oh my gosh, your accent in French is fluent. That is a flawless accent. I teach French and you speak perfect French. She goes, I don't speak French. He says, yes, you do. You've been speaking French this whole service and you've been praying for the pastor and you actually shared two or three verses before he even shared them. Yeah. Listen, the Bible says that the gift that we can't control this, but God will give us moments and it'll be a sign to those that don't believe. Number one, ready? Number two, public. This is where some denominations, they go, well, if someone doesn't interpret, don't speak in tongues. Well, number two is it's given for interpretation. This normally happens in prayer meetings. Someone, it's, it's similar to prophecy that someone will get a heavenly prayer language, share for a couple seconds or minutes, and when they're done, somebody will interpret it. They don't translate it, they interpret it. Why, because a heavenly language does not have a word for word translation, it's an interpretation. I've been in services before that this has happened. I've been in prayer meetings before this has happened. But listen to me, it says to do all things decently and in order. So we're not gonna be the church that random people stand up in the middle of the service, interrupt the message, interrupt the service because God is a God of order. But just because we're a church of order doesn't mean we're, we're not gonna be a church of all things. Are you hearing me? And I believe the world is desperately looking for a church that was like the early church that was open to the power of God, but still operated with wisdom. We are given, right? We're given interpretation. This is where we find in 1 Corinthians 12, 10, different types of tongues to another interpretation of tongues. 1 Corinthians fourteen, five. unless he indeed interprets at the church, they receive edification. Do you know why God gives uh, a tongue to be interpreted? So it builds the church up. I believe interpreted tongues are the same as prophecy. It should always add courage. The word edify is the Greek word for build up, build a house. That's what, that's what the second public tongue is for. And the last two, write this down. Uh, number three, it's for personal prayer. You know what the Bible says about your prayer language? It says in Jude, verses 22 and 23, that I I speak in my prayer language, Jude says, to build up my most holy faith. When I speak in my prayer language, I'll tell you right now, you, you pray in English, Spanish, you run out of words pretty fast. But when I begin to pray in my prayer language, my spirit connects with God. I want you to write this down. The number one reason God gives us a prayer language, write this down, It's for intimacy with God. It's not to be showy, spooky, hyper spiritual. God wants you to have a prayer language so your spirit can connect with his spirit. It says in 1 Corinthians 14, 14 and 15, Paul says, for I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. When I pray in my tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. When I pray in my prayer language, sometimes at the end of the service I start praying in my prayer language because it builds my faith. When you have someone bring their kid that has cancer and says, with desperate look in their eyes, pray for my baby. I'm telling you that you don't need your power, you need God's. And there's moments, man, that I'm like, something like, I don't really care about the Holy Spirit. Man, if you need, if you ever get desperate for power, you will wanna go to a church like our church that isn't embarrassed, ashamed, to say, Holy Spirit, you are the one that builds up our faith. Sande le mandes case. I'm not ashamed of the ancient power that filled the early church and turned the world upside down. It'll build your faith. And fourthly, the Bible says that God gives us the gift of praying in the spirit so that we can make intercession. Intercession means to stand in the gap. It means to pray or plead for another person. You know, Romans 8, 26, and 27, it's the verses right before that verse you have tattooed on your your bicep. For all things work together for good. Remember that verse? Romans 8, 26, and 27 says that when we don't know what to pray, the Spirit Himself prays through us with utterances and groanings that cannot be named or understood. Who's old enough to remember fax machines? Come on. Can we all agree that faxes made goofy noises? Please tell me. Who remembers dial up internet? <laughs> weird. But somehow, those goofy noises, there was equipment in my fax machine that had the ability to connect with another fax machine and send crystal clear images through weird noises. And I want you to know that when I pray in my spirit. I'm praying the Spirit. Some of you are like, this is ridiculous. You know why it's ridiculous? Because to the natural mind, the things of the Spirit are ridiculous. You know what you need to ask for today, God? Give me spiritual eyes. You don't realize it, friend, but you are spiritually sick because you have no appetite for the things of the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit wakes up your appetite, you go, God, if you're into it, I'm into it. Well, I went to a church that said it was demonic. Well, let me tell you something about that church. If speaking in tongues is demonic, hell has failed. Because every time I speak in my prayer language, I love Jesus more. I love the Bible more. I love people more. I love scriptures more. And I love to pray more. Are you hearing me today? It's so funny to me how unlogical people are about speaking in tongues. They go, well, if I prayed for a job and God gave me a job, he heard my prayer. Who believes that God heard your prayer? God, give me a job. That week you get a job. Who who believes God heard your prayer? Yeah. If you prayed for a girlfriend, right? Come on, singles. And this week you meet an awesome girl. Who would say God heard my prayer? Yeah. All of you. How many say, I need, I need, man, this week, I just need, I need a new car. And this week someone gives you a car. Who says God heard your prayer? Yeah. Okay, so let me ask you a question. We need biblical, number one, believing. Biblical understanding, number two. How about number three? Biblical receiving. Luke chapter 11, verse 13, Jesus says this. If you are evil and you don't give your kids stones, snakes, and scorpions when they ask for bread, fish, and for uh, bread, fish, and eggs, how much more will the Holy, God give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him for it? Here's my point, Jesus himself said it this way. If you ask for the Holy Spirit, give me a prayer language, hell does not hire a 611 watt defensive back that jumps up in the middle of your prayer. Nice try. You're not getting that gift from God. You're gonna get a, you're gonna get a snake from hell. If you ask God for the Holy Spirit, hell does not give you a snake. And I wanna warn those that are mocked the Holy Spirit, I wanna warn those that group in churches and families that said this is for yesterday, this is for a different time period, that this stopped with the apostles. It might've stopped with your church, with the apostles, but it hasn't, started in, it hasn't stopped in Christianity since the apostles. Throughout history, there's been a remnant of people that have gone after everything that Jesus died to give them. And I'm with you, if it's fake, then let's ignore it for the rest of eternity. Let's never talk about it again. But if, listen to me, if you can receive the Holy Spirit, receive a prayer language that you can connect with God at moments of your life, maybe it'll be a sign of the unbeliever. Maybe in moments of your life, it'll be a tongue that needs to be interpreted. Maybe moments, but for the most part, I would say 90% of my prayer language, I use to build up my faith and I use to intercede. I tell the story about when I was in Bible college, I heard a teaching like this. I woke up in the middle of the night, I was, I was 18 years old, and my brother John, who lived in California when I was in Idaho, was heavy on my heart. I knew I was supposed to pray for him. So I said, God, protect John, be with John, watch over John. In about three minutes, I ran out of words to pray. Who's been there before? You ever ran out of English to pray really fast? So then my, my professor said, well, when you run up, when you don't know what to pray, pray in your prayer language and the Holy Spirit will pray through you. You don't know, well, understand it up here, but you'll know that the Holy Spirit is connecting with God the Father. So I start praying in my prayer language, thinking about my brother, John. I did it for about 15 minutes and I just felt this fire, man. I felt like I was standing between him and destruction. Prayed for about 15 minutes and then I went to sleep. I slept like a baby. Woke up every two hours and cried. Come on, somebody. I got woke up to a phone call at 7 a.m. from my mom. She said, Mark, I have some good news and some bad news. The bad news is, is last night, your brother, John, at about three o'clock in the morning, he was in his Honda Civic, and he got hit on his driver's side by a Ford F-150 going 40 miles an hour. His car looks like a taco. Your brother, though, the good news, is he walked out of that destroyed car with two scratches on his body. That's coincidence. Of course it is to you. And it'll always be a bunch of holy coincidences until you drop the guise of your logic and invite all the Holy Spirit died on the cross through Jesus to give you. I want all of God that he came to give us. We live in a dark time, we're in the last days, and we need the same power that the early church had. It's kind of funny to me that Corinthians is where Paul did most of his teachings on the Holy Spirit. Corinth is so much like Orange County, it's uncanny. It's amazing that it was a wealthy place. It was a commercial trade headquarters, a Mecca. It was one of the most godless, drunken places in the known world. The temple of Aphrodite was there. There was a thousand priest prostitutes at that temple. This city was so morally bankrupt, it made Los Angeles and New York City look cleaner than an LDS temple, holy underwear closet. Are you hearing me? This place was a wicked, decrepit city, and I'm telling you that the the city that needed the power of God the most was the very city where Paul wrote most of the ink talking about who the Holy Spirit is. I want you to know that if the ancient world was wicked and believers change it through the power of the Holy Spirit, that is the solution to America, California, and Orange County today. Some of you, you go, Mark, I love listening to this preacher and that preacher. You know what the common thread is most of your favorite preachers? Is they are tongue-talking, spirit-filled Christians. They just, when you talk, there's something different about when you talk than others. I love Jesus more. I feel his presence. It's not like you're academically studying God. It's like you know him. It says that Peter and John were uneducated, untrained men, but the, it says this, the religious leaders could tell that they'd been with Jesus. Is that said of, of you or me? That's what's gonna be said of Ocean's Church. I might not be the smartest or the best looking, I'm close, can I get an amen? But I do promise you this friends, that we will be a church that welcomes everything that Jesus welcomes. And here's the good news, we're not gonna be weird in doing it. So I know some of you have been to churches that are weird, you're like, man, if that's, I don't wanna be part of that. Oh, listen, listen to me. I, I'm the same mark that I've always been. You know what changed in me when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit? I had more boldness, I had more fire. And I'll tell you right now, there was things that I couldn't overcome trying to be a good person that the Holy Spirit gave me the power to override. Some of you need power from on high. You've loved God for 20 years, but you've never had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Can I just ask you a question? If it's real, why do you keep fighting it? If the Holy Spirit wants to baptize you with a prayer language, That would make you more on fire for God than you've ever been, why would you not want it? No one in the early church argued over it. Just today denominations do. Uh, Here's my, here's my conviction. If they wanted it, if they needed it, I'm convinced that I want it and I need it. And here's the good news. We're going to be back to where we're at next week. I don't preach on this every single Sunday, but once a year I make a case that we are a church that's gonna be like the early church that believes and welcomes the power of the Holy Spirit. And if you believe it, come on, would you give him a good hand clap all over this tent? So here's where I wrap. You guys, still so with minute. Who gave me five more minutes? Five minutes? Five, 10, 15. That's all I needed. Thank you. Here's the truth. Uh, I was at Boise State. I was the chaplain for the football team. We had the third best team in America. We had players that won Super Bowls and rings and been in the NFL for five, six, seven years now. One year, it was one of the first years at the camp that I brought a bunch of the football team to our church camp. We had three, 400 high sp- uh, college students there. We had a great summer camp. Kids gave their lives to Jesus, got baptized. And wouldn't you know it, the last night of the camp, we had a great meeting. I did not teach on tongues. I didn't teach on the Holy Spirit. And at the very end of the night, literally, like after a two-hour-long service, some joker starts speaking in a tongue towards the end, and it kind of started quietly, and it progressively got louder and louder as I'm closing down the service. I'm like, "Who is this stinking church kid that's gonna scare away all of our popular football players?" I was—I'll be honest—I had a Carl moment. I was irritated. I opened my eyes, and it was the star running back for Boise State. This kid, again, he's on ESPN every week, would go on into the NFL, be one of the greatest running backs for three or four seasons in a row. This kid, in our church service, begins to get submerged in the power of God, tears are flowing down his cheeks. All the other football players, probably 20 other players, Rochelle was there, Joel was there, Mel was there, a bunch of you guys were there, we saw this. And I, I, I'm like, oh my gosh, now as a pastor, I got to teach everybody what the heck is going on. These so people thought we were to start breaking out snakes and Kool-Aid, didn't know what was going on, right? So I'm like, all right, this is what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit and, and, and prayer language. So I, I shared the four things, two public, two private. And I just said, hey, if you want all that God died on the cross to give you, if you want a, a prayer language, um, just I want you to respond and raise your hands. And, and this is crazy, wouldn't you know it? that all the other football players raised their hands with about 200 other other campers that hadn't received it yet. And by the end of the night, almost everyone was either on the floor or in tears because the power of God came and baptized that camp. We would do it every single year after that. And that's one of the reasons our little Christian university church grew into a young adult ministry of over 1,700 students. We saw 18,000 kids give their lives to Jesus in a 10 year window in Boise. My wife and I were part of leading that revival. It wasn't because I'm a great preacher. My wife is good looking and she is. Come on somebody. It is because when someone boldly proclaims the Holy Spirit, the same power that turned the early church upside down is the same power that will turn our cities today upside down. If you believe it, say amen. Well, Mark, I don't really want it. Well, here's the good news. You don't have to have it. The truth is the thief on the cross never got baptized in the Holy Spirit. He went to heaven. So I want to just take, the, take the, any, any weirdness out of the room right now or online that you can never receive a prayer language and go to heaven, okay? So this is not a heaven or hell issue. This is a, I have a hunger and an appetite for everything that Jesus died to give me. And even if I don't fully understand it, because some of you, you have have Jesus in a prison of your intellect. And I want you to know that a God that can be fully understood is not a God big enough to be fully trusted. If your eight pound brain can fathom the deep things of God, you have a little bit of what I call an arrogance problem because you haven't figured God out. And there's parts of God that are outside of your comfort zone. And let me say one other thing. If you ever have a Christianity that you are completely comfortable with, I would argue with you that it might not be the full Christianity because there is things that God asks us and wants us to do that are outside of our comfort zone. Are you hearing me? How about this last thing? Well, I don't really believe that miracles are for today, for speaking in a prayer language is for today. I think it's from back then. Here's what I want you to know is tongues and the gift of the prayer language is for anyone that wants it. I believe it's for everyone, but the the truth is, it's only for everyone that desires it. And you don't, you don't have to have it. And the good news is, if you don't want it, come back next week. We're the same people. We're not changing. I just wanted to lay out a foundation every year of what we believe on this topic. And you could go the rest of your life in this church of never being baptized. But if you want it, I'm telling you, it's for anybody that honors the Holy Spirit. Anybody. I thought it was just for pastors. No, it's for everybody. Well, doesn't it say in Corinthians that, that one day tongues are going to stop? Yet, yeah, it also says that one day knowledge is going to stop. It calls it the perfect day, which is not this life, it's the next life. Tongues is for today. Are you with me? Oh, I think I covered everything, Lord. It's hard, man. It's like trying to get everything at the Golden Corral in one plate. It's not an easy feat. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.